You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy birthday, Joe. I'm speechless, but not just because of that, but because I don't know what to talk about right now. Was there a W Coop? Was there an <laughs> online poker tournament? What happened? It feels like it's still going on. James, literally, the last two nights, I have had dreams like those all-night dreams where I'm calling online poker. Code. Oh, in other words, you miss yeah. it and you can't wait to do it again. Yes, that's exactly it. Coming up on <laughs> this week's show, we all get to resume our normal lives of playing normal online poker. Um, you know, for some of us, that's just playing play money poker here in the United States of America. I am still running terribly, so much so that I had a World Series of Poker main event winner uh, reach out to me and tell me it's not me. It's not me, it's the cards. Um, I actually have a lot more I want to say about that a little later on. It's not just the normal whining. Okay, it is a lot of whining too, but it's also a little bit important. Uh, so should I actually pay attention for once? Because I'm going to be completely honest. I do start to tune out when you go off on your rants yeah. about how badly you're running. So if I need to I, pay attention to this, just give me an advisory beforehand. I would like you to pay attention to this one, but I promise I'm going to save it for the end of the show. Uh, one of the things I have been able to mess around with for Play Money, though, is Grand Tour, uh, which what I imagine is very fun if you're having a good relationship with poker in general. Uh, luckily, we've got a Grand Tour expert and WCOOP co-commentator, Nick Walsh. He is on the blower today to help answer all of our questions about this weird little thing <laughs> that I found very adorable. That's a lovely description. Uh, speaking of things I hated to love, I'm talking uh, Sopranos today. We're talking Sopranos today with Christopher Preston, who is challenging me to trivia about a show that I loved but absolutely hated every single character featured therein. Um, it wasn't all bad for me this week, James. I did manage to have one tiny little bit of success in my life. Uh, I got a PS5. What, already? I didn't think it was out till well, November. I didn't get a PS5, but I managed you to pre-order a PS5, okay. yes. So that's the Wi-Fi router sorted. What about the mini fridge? Any success Nothing with the mini fridge? Nothing on the mini fridge yet. Um, now, there are a couple of asterisks on the, uh, the PS5. Luckily, I was like talking to a friend of mine about video games. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of bummed. She's like, wait, you didn't? There's more going on sale today. So I like rushed to my computer and and I guess the mistake I made, James, part of the reason why I didn't get ones originally was I thought they were all going to be sold out within the first five minutes. Yeah. And technically they were. But because we were doing WCOOP when they went on sale the first time, I didn't have the time to like keep clicking refresh. And like so for some people, it took hours. Wow. To get through. And so I had the time on this particular day. And after about 45, 50 minutes of like over and over again, like clicking, like check out, check out, check out, it finally worked for me. My the, God, it shouldn't be like that though, should it? It shouldn't be that complicated. I guess on the one hand, I want to complain about it. On the other hand, I'm like, you know, this is like the definition of a first world problem. So I try not to get that tilted by it. Uh, the, 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 the asteri 
is that um, I don't get it on release day. The only thing they had left was a package, like a, a bundle. Um, and that gets delivered, I think, instead of on November 12th when it comes out, it comes. I get it November 30th, um, which at this point I think I'm fine with. Yeah. Because uh, I think that even if even on launch day, I think they're going to be tough to get. So unless you go like wait in line, which I'm not really that keen to do and social distancing and everyone's just kind of weird these days. Um, I'll just wait the two weeks and get what's the in the bundle. That's a great question. That's a really good question. I mean, is um, it a, a couple of games? Do you get an extra controller? You definitely get two controllers. Let's see. It's going to be real. It's going to be real quick here. Don't worry. I'll find it very fast. GameStop. Thank you, GameStop. All right, here we go. Thank you for your GameStop order. It comes with, oh, yeah, see, I'm excited. It comes with Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and another controller, and a year of PlayStation, uh, what's it called? Well, their equivalent of, like, Xbox Game Pass, I assume. Yeah, which I think kind of ends up being a waste for me. Because uh, I pay for it anyway. But oh, and Demon's Souls. So two games, two controllers, and a year of the uh, the membership service, which you need on PlayStation. They make you pay extra for it. So whatever. So I got one. I'm pretty excited. And I don't know. I have a feeling that when PlayStation gets released anyway, I'm going to be fucking busy. And that's all I'm saying. Probably. Probably. <laughs> um, on my personal life, I had a very cool Saturday night. Last Saturday night, um, my friend, my best friend, Sam, he quit his job in production to start doing a furniture, uh, start doing like a handyman and home staging business. So like when people sell their homes, they pay people to come in and like make them look nice with furniture and crap like that. He does that. So he has this big warehouse now where he stores all the furniture. And he said, hey, why don't we have a socially distant hang? with a bunch of friends we haven't seen in a long time. I'll open up the doors of the warehouse. We can all sit real far apart and we can uh, hang out. And I got to hang with my old friend, Cord Jefferson, uh, the guy that just won the Emmy for Watchmen and he wrote for Succession last year in The Good Place. And um, we got to hang out and reminisce and get to hear a little bit of the behind the scenes of, of, uh, of Watchmen. Basically, you know how you and I are like really happy that Damon and Cord both decided they weren't going to do a season two of Watchmen. Yes, yes. He's convinced HBO is going to do one anyway. So, um, you know, which makes sense. You can't, you know, as a company, you can't live leave money on the table. But uh, I actually got to have like a social night for once, and it was really fun. It did me a lot of good mentally. I had a, I had a very good time. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, of course, we had Watchmen as a superfan subject not that long ago. And a quick reminder that we are still taking applications. If you want to be a superfan, if you want to appear on this podcast and potentially win prizes, best way to apply is via social media. Please use the hashtag Poker in the Ears on Twitter. Also, please feel free to use that hashtag if you want to write questions or comments, suggest guests for future episodes. We did have someone not that long ago suggest that we need to be on Discord and have like a, a community on Discord where we can publish our list of all the superfan subjects that have been and gone so people have that resource so they know not to suggest something that's already happened. Maybe that's a better place for people to discuss the show. I don't know. I'll look into it. If you think it's a good idea, I'll look into it. Um, 
But finally, most importantly, as we often say at the end of each episode, please don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, It's very important to the growth and success of the show, and we appreciate you. As you teased at the top of the show, Joe, we are dedicating a healthy chunk of this week's episode to online poker, again, having been discussing WCOOP for the last few weeks. But this week, we are going on a grand tour. So yeah, we're going to take a deep dive into this game that appeared on PokerStars back in the spring. To do that, we are joined by someone who spent a lot of time in our company over the course of the last couple of months. He was one of our commentators on both Stadium Series and WCOOP. From OP Poker, please welcome Team Pro Online's Nick Walsh. Nick, good to have you with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back, guys. I feel very honored to make the my second appearance on the podcast. Well, probably my, potentially my first appearance on the podcast, but yes, my actual second, uh, my, my return is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, last time I think we had you on the podcast was when we uh, worked together on EPT Monte Carlo, just before Joe bailed on us at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> now, you clearly are the guy to talk to about this, Nick, and one of the things that came out in our first conversation was that you know you were very keen in exploring the various new evolutions of poker uh, that were appearing in the PokerStars client. Now, over the course of the last, I'd say, two to three years, we've seen these games appear, some of them versions of Hold'em with a slight twist, some of them a bit more yep. in-depth than that. And, you know... The thing I, I feel about this, as with I feel about any innovation in poker, is that you know some things are going to be appeal to some people and some will appeal to others. And there have been games which I've enjoyed playing and some which I've like, eh, it's not for me. But it doesn't bother sure. me that it's in the client. Yeah. Now, this is something a bit different because this is almost like a completely new game, obviously still Hold'em-based, but clearly this is meant to be something a little bit more. And I can't help but feel that it's gone under the radar a little bit because it launched while Scoop was taking place. Then, of course, we segued straight into Summer Series. Then we segued straight into Stadium Series. (laughs) And then before you knew it, WCOOP was upon us. Now there's a little bit of breathing room. I think we should shine a spotlight on this because it's a really interesting concept, what they've created here. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I despite the fact it's sort of flying under the radar or, or maybe not flying under the radar as much as it being, you know, like uh, just um, not not well, at the bicycles. Most, they don't yeah, fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was sort of like, you know, there is there was a lot going on with all the other events that were happening. So it's a game that we know is definitely growing. You know, it, it has actually shown that there's, there's quite a lot, a lot of popularity surrounding that format. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk to let's talk a little bit more about you know what makes this so different. And as you pointed out, it's it's like they've invented a completely new format altogether, right? I had the chance to play it a little bit. I do not know exactly what the <laughs> format was because I did not get very far. Could you just break down what happens if you can actually make sure. it out of let's say the first or second round? Sure. Okay. So 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 everybody, for everybody out there that's watching that has no idea what Grand Tour is, basically Grand Tour is a series of single-table, four-handed PKO sit-and-goes 
where the reward for winning that individual table is entry to like the next highest buy-in level. So what you need to visualize in your mind, if you haven't seen that, seen it before, is in the PokerStars client where you are uh, available to play this game, it's basically like a long road. Like it's, you know, it's like sort of a cycling race. And basically uh, there are different waypoints which represent the different buy-in levels where you can start at. We have uh, $1, $2, $5, $12, $25, and then $60. Now, depending on where you start, that's the amount that you buy in for, but the actual the actual money that you win um, comes in two forms. So if you knock a player out while you're playing any one of these individual sit-and-goes, you win a bounty that you take off their head. But then also the big sort of payday, like finishing a Grand Tour is where the majority of the money exists. And that is after you've sort of qualified. If you started from the ones, you beat that, then you got a freebie into the twos, you got a freebie into the fives, and you can sort of step your way up or ladder your way up or satellite or shootout, you know, use whatever term you'd like to the $60 stakes, at which point all of the bounties that have been accruing on your head become available. And if you win the $60 stakes, you actually win the bounties that you've accrued in a, in the same way that you would if you were playing a PKO tournament, uh, like, you know, uh, any other PKO tournament on PokerStars. There's there's a lot to unpack here, Nick, and I think we need to take it step <laughs> by step, yeah. just okay. like you would take okay. Grand Tour, because it is sure. a long distance race made up of a yes. series of sprints. And the first thing to say, and this is where I think it's very clever, is we know one of the challenges facing online poker, or certainly one of the challenges that was facing online poker pre-lockdown, was how time poor people were. And that mm -hmm. is why we've had innovations like Spin and Go. The idea of being able to play a game of poker with a meaningful reward that lasts five or ten minutes. And I love the fact that we've got that here in that each individual game is a hyper-turbo. It's four-handed, and it's over sometimes in one hand in some of the games I've played. <laughs> but there's more to the story than that. That is part of the whole. And because it has that progression system, something we know from the video games world, and we know from step satellites on PokerStars works mm. incredibly well, it means that you get to move on to the next level. And it's something that you can either do in one session or if you are time poor, if you don't have the opportunity, yeah. come back another time. You can play, if you are lucky enough to win each of these individual races, you can right. do that at your own pace, at your leisure, right. according to your own timetable. Right. Yeah, I know. And, and that's that, that's the absolutely important point here, right? Because people, people, especially like in, in the modern uh, version of the game, people are, are, are getting quite advanced at the game of poker and they like to look at individual spots and they like to go, okay, this is kind of a tricky one. You know, it's almost like if you have rock climbers who do like rock faces, then we have bouldering within rock climbing where it's not about how high you can climb or how long you can climb. It's about how tricky the individual climb can become. And this is a really cool format like that because you can jump in and you're immediately challenged with a lot of like interesting dynamics. And there's a lot of like really unusual spots that you might not have seen if you are playing long form tournaments, but they're kind of tricky and they're really important that you get them right in the in the in the heat of the moment because you're not going to have that many opportunities to play that well. But then once you've done once you're done, you can go, okay, cool, that was lunch, and now I'm going to get back to work, or you know, I only had time to play on the bus for five minutes before I got to my next stop, and then you can you know pick and choose thereafter whether or not you want to dive in and do more or just you know the stop and start element is really important yeah. to success. And then yeah. the other element, and this is where. It's almost like I like the fact that there's a lot to this. On the other hand, the flip side is people might see it as overcomplicated. The whole mm -hmm. kind of too many notes syndrome is sure. the idea of the bounties, right? Is that this is where the multiplier from a spin and go kind of gets brought into the equation. Yeah. Because yeah. the bounty you win is randomized. It could be mm -hmm. that that bounty is actually 
kind of slightly lower, I guess, than their true head value. Or it could be yeah. a huge bounty. It's I, I don't know what the algorithm is, but I guess it's it's randomized. It it is randomized, but it's it's randomized where where it's a function of a set probability, right? So so that's a really important element if you do want to try and understand and take this format very seriously as well, because. You know, if it was purely randomized and they were picking out of a hat, it would be very difficult to sort of estimate exactly what that value would be. But if you, you know, but if you're going to take part and you know that all of the sort of money that is being sucked up into this sort of uh, the jackpot system is going somewhere and it is going to be dished out at a later date, it means that you can pretty much estimate it to be the exact value that you would win if you play like a million right. games, for example, right? So if you did play the volume, you're always going to theoretically hit, you know, all of the money that's been taken out. But in some cases, you get lucky and you get a little bit more. And in other cases, you you, you run that and you get a bit, little bit less. So yeah, we do have this randomized element. But um, I think also it's really important to note that this is something that draws in a lot of, you know, newer players to the game as well. So if you're somebody that really puts in the time, I mean, uh, new or not, it's definitely cool to have, um, you know, more and more fresh blood coming into the game because it means that they are games that absolutely can be beat despite the fact that they are particularly high variance. So, Joe, you got to play this game for the first time, and like me, you're dealing with the play money variant where you're playing for yeah. like 1K or 2K up to 25K. Um, did you have any knowledge of the concept or format or rules in inverted commas before you started your tour? A little bit. I assumed it was going to be some kind of um, progression sort of bike tour type of thing. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be a, uh, a PKO. I didn't know um, that. I didn't even know until this conversation that the bounties were randomized. I was just like, what is going on? I thought I was winning somebody's jersey. It's a little bit more difficult to wrap your head around. No offense. I think play money poker has its place. I like it. It's done a lot for me during quarantine. But when there's not real money attached to it, it's a little more difficult. Uh, to understand what's going on. So mm -hmm. so I would knock someone out and then like a jersey would pop up or something with 330 on it. And I was like, oh, these points are these play money dollars. Right. I didn't really know what they were. So um, I, I do have a couple of questions, actually. Mm -hmm. One is, Nick, when you used to talk about you'd come on the stream and talk about, oh, hey, I won three grand tours today or I'm in a grand tour prop bet right now. Were you talking about starting from the beginning and getting all the way to the end without losing right so so in 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 all of those situations it was me and another individual or me speaking about like the time that i spent on stream starting from one specific waypoint which was uh, either the five dollar stakes or the twelve dollar stakes right because right now it seems super apparent that um the one dollar stakes might be potentially the most frustrating stakes because in order to complete a grand tour it means you have to win six consecutive games in order to get there but you also have to remember that the payout is also proportionately much, much larger, right? So you're buying in for a $1, $1, uh, you know, $1 game. The potential is super crazy. But in most cases, you're going to win something like 250 300 bucks when you complete a grand tour, right? So you're winning like 300x your buy-in if you're starting and you're succeeding. In the situations where I've discussed it, it's always been from the 5s to the 12s. But then also the people that I've been challenged with have been also sort of playing from the same level, right? So doing a bunch of starts from there and then counting up, you know, how many we have over a certain volume or something like that. Yeah. So you're saying if you start near the end, you will win less money than if you start at the beginning. If you start near the end, you have um, a an exponentially lesser number of games that you'll be required to win in order to complete. 
but you'll actually probably win the same amount in dollars, but it'll just be less proportionately to your buying, if that makes sense, right? So if you're if you're buying in from the ones, you're investing a okay. dollar a game, but you have to win, you know, one to the power of 30 or one to the power of, you know, or one to the power of 0.3 or whatever, sorry, six to the power of 0.3 or whatever your win percentage is in order to complete. But then if you're starting from the fives, it's only to the power of, uh, to the power of three or four or whatever. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Just to echo your point, Joe, about the, the 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 jerseys that where someone's knocked out, I do like the whole look and feel, and I like the consistency. That if we're going to theme this around cycling, not only do we have that map which constitutes the lobby, but you have the fact that it's part of the cycling route that is the table. That everyone's icon is like the kind of uh, the gears of a bike, the jerseys that you win when you knock out a player. I like the fact that they've kept that theme throughout, and I love the fact that someone's bike literally explodes explodes when you knock them out it's an animation that i will never get tired of it, it is very very cute like i the little noises and the people waving and yeah like i said i'm sure it gets more interesting once you see new locations uh which i only managed to see one of uh is there any reason uh, it's really a question for nick but just sort of a hypothetical question is there any reason this format can't be replicated with other themes baseball a professional eating contest the card counter um right the format can stay the same and we should be able to relatively easily change out uh the aesthetic of it to make it appealing to lots of different people not unlike a slot machine right yeah, and I, I think I think that's actually a really really good point. I mean, uh, I, how how difficult it is I don't know, and I've got a lot of friends on the dev team, so whatever I say now will probably be judged judged very harshly. But I do think it is. I do like the idea of the fact that we can change the theme at least just to suit your own personal taste, anyway, right? And at least to give it some sort of legitimacy as well, because I think whenever these new games come out, something that we've always battled against is this sort of like feeling of like, okay, but this is all this is all just this is all just bullshit, right? Like you you guys don't really you guys don't you guys know this isn't a real thing. You're not really playing poker there's no real skill here it's just like one more thing for for them to add so they just have a new product on the line which of course almost in almost every single time has never been the case i whatsoever. would agree there's no these. skill to it whatsoever. <laughs> but that's just poker that's just poker right yeah so we're always battling against all that kind of stuff so to actually have something that was a slightly different theme or you know being able to i mean right now you can disable whatever that theme is if it doesn't suit you right but it will just revert back to like a sort of generic uh poker stars theme in the first place but i do like the idea of you know a base version or something like that i'm not sure if it quite goes with the with the mechanics but yeah i think that would be pretty cute to see if they could throw that one together so when did you first play the game nick was it pretty much as soon as it was launched i'm interested to know at what point you realized okay this is the strategy i need to employ this is the edge that you need to have on this game yeah these this is the basic strategy these are the top tips you need to apply in order to have success in this format Yes, please. So we, we actually started playing it basically like day three or something like that. I think James might have played it on the very first day. I played it on the third day. And it became very clear very quickly that a lot of the skills that we were pulling from our spinning goes, et cetera, were going to directly equate. And the biggest actual difficulty that we had was how much how much weight do we put on the importance of winning chips and how much weight do we put on the importance of winning a bounty and of course when you're when you're looking at bounties that are randomized and a lot of the time the bounty is worth less than it would be if we were playing a straight straight pko there can be this sort of uh this sort of contradiction in your mind that's like well if it's going to be less then they're not that important so we should just play purely for for chips but then when you realize that all of your absolute biggest paydays of all time are going to come when you do win that bounty unassumedly thinking it's going to be small and it turns out to be, you know, 
six grand or 120 grand. I mean, we've seen some absolutely massive bounties. We haven't what? even spoken about the potential. We've already seen somebody win $150,000 from a single knockout. Wow. Just was, in like round one. I mean, that, not specifically, it, but potentially. Well, so, so, you know, he, he, he hit 150 K. So in order for that to be true, it had to have been on the final round. So it had to have been on a, on a $60 stakes. So the amount of payouts that we're seeing, I mean, we had somebody from our community directly on our Discord channel who won a 32K uh, bounty as well. And when you put it in that context, you realize that hunting the bounties is just as important as it is when you are when you are playing a normal PKO. In fact, maybe even more so in this game where you'll have uh, you need to play a lot of volume to like realize, you know, the value of those of those spots. And that was the biggest transition for us. So we knew immediately what we were doing and the strategies that we were employing playing pure Chippy V winner take all strategy like we would in a spinning go made perfect sense. But now we're actually taking hits to our Chippy V in order to more effectively hunt, uh, you know, bounty value and realizing how important that is just to sustaining yourself and, you know, like making a profit in the game, even if you're not going to hit those bounties as well. I noticed that when you move on to the next round, you move with like a different number of chips. Right. The rest of your opponents. What's yeah. up with that? And well, th this is super important as well, because uh, going back to the conversation about how important it is to hunt for bounties, um, the way that we were thinking about it originally was like, OK, so a finish means that you win. If you're starting at the fives, if you finish, you're winning 12 bucks, which is effectively you just going up into the next level. But then you but then what they're doing is depending on the amount of value that you're bringing to the table, which is on your head, they're actually going to adjust the chips to match. So if you're joining the table with more bounties than your opponents, you actually have a chip advantage. So basically what they said is, yeah, you're moving on to the next round because you've actually managed to beat that, but you're going to come in with less chips if you have a smaller bounty and you're going to come in with more chips if you have a bigger bounty. So that's even more reason and even more incentive to be more bounty hungry because the value is more or less uh, equated to the value that you bring in the table and not to the actual $12 buying that you would pay if you bought in directly. It's just yet another element to the game that yeah, you have to consider. Yeah. I found playing this that I use the toggle between chips and big blinds function more than in any other game I've ever played sure. on Stars. And I think it's really important to know the blinds do go up incredibly quickly. You become short stacked incredibly quickly. And I'm going to assume, Nick, this is where understanding shoving and calling ranges becomes key to success in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that's uh, that's a really good point because uh, not only knowing knowing your push fold ranges are going to be uh, like ex like painfully painfully important just straight up, but also the more work that we've been doing to try and conquer the bounty element, you know, this uh, the ICM implications and the bounty implications of changing those ranges is ludicrous. If you guys haven't done work on this, if you're trying to improve your PKO game, just like me and James have spoken about this before, where you know you know you might not like like spinning goes, but playing three handed and playing really short stacked is quite difficult, and if you want to get better at that, it's kind of like a pressure cooker for improving just those specific skills so even if it's not a game you like it's a game that if you play well you're going to play better than most people once you get to that stage uh end stages of a tournament or something like that the same is true for pko value in this case too and uh just sort of starting to scratch the surface on the ways that you adjust your shoving ranges when you're covered versus when you when you have your opponent covered even by like a single chip it is crazy the, the the adjustments that you need to be making, and uh, just the the more we dig at it, the more this uh, another bingo game becomes another enigma with a lot more to it. And I think the people that are playing this game really well are really doing well for themselves. I'm interested in what the audience makes of it on stream because I know obviously you do a lot of streams where you're playing spin and goes, and clearly you're approaching that game with strategies, you're giving the audience tips, but as far as a viewing experience is concerned, it's like mm -hmm. one random three-handed 
turbo poker tournament after another. Does the yeah. fact that this has the narrative that you're following that journey and moving through the steps, I imagine yeah. that from the audience's point of view, there's something for them to get a bit more excited and a bit more engaged with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this, for me, this is, I mean, what, uh, shout out to the dev team once again, because I feel like they actually probably kind of saw this coming a mile off. In fact, they kind of were hinting at this game coming out for some time and how cool it was going to be for us. I feel like we've really bridged the gap between two important, important kinds of, or styles that are being accepted on Twitch right now. Cash games do exist. People do stream cash games. Generally speaking, they're not as popular. Uh, there are some that balk the trend, but you know that's kind of not the point. We know that tournaments are the ones that most people like to watch. And then I feel like you know OP Poker did have some part in sort of bringing in spinning goes and legitimizing that a little bit, and we were getting some pretty good viewership for that kind of thing too. And now one of the things that we get as a result of playing spinning goes or hypers of any variety is we have a really short delay. And ask any of the big streamers who play MTTs, that long delay is something that yeah. they always feel like they're combating. Mm -hmm. It's like less and less like streaming and more like a slightly delayed, you know, seminar in many cases, right? The interaction is always limited by the time limit. So we get to have these super fast delays where we can have very, very brief conversations with people and their answers, the, que the questions to their answers are getting answered like, you know, really, really quickly, et cetera. But now there, there's also the progression of MTTs that come into it on top. So... Uh, we're trying to find the best way to do it now, but we've started doing something where we play a bunch of volume two tabling at the 12s until we've stacked up a bunch of guys at like a 25. And then we one table at 25s thereafter because it gets really exciting at that point because the bounties can be huge. And each individual hand is so important to the progression and that completion. And then of course, social media wise as well, it's great because we have so much more content to share. And every time there's a final table, it's just one more final table to share that has a real, real world consequence with a really good payout. And I, I think I think it's really bridged the gap between you know the slow the the, the faster delay, and uh, and the MTT hype. You know, getting to a final and winning that kind of money is really exciting. And I have a top tip for you, Joe, which is to kind of do it backwards because what I found is if I was starting at the one thousand play money chips level, and it was just like. Yeah everyone's all in on the first hand and it is literally a, a total crapshoot. And what I did is I started at the end on the last leg, having won that, let's see if I can do it starting at the penultimate leg because you know what it's like in play money poker, the higher the buy-in, the more seriously people are taking it and the more real play you're likely to see and the better experience I think you'll get from the game. I had an incredibly frustrating experience playing this that I'll get into later that I don't want to bore Nick with with my uh, <laughs> with my bad beat stories, but uh, but yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll do that because um, yes, I struggled. All I'll say is I I really really struggled to get beyond. Uh, like I said, I got I got to the second round once, um, which I just really really had a hard time with. So maybe maybe later on it'll be easier. Yeah, but I can imagine Nick with the volume that you've played that probably happens like all the time right you must have had runs where you just yeah. can never get beyond that first stage yeah I, I, i've actually got two points on that because the the it's really important for everyone to realize and just like the same as spinning goes and actually just the same as mtt's even though people tend not to realize this because it's a much slower game overall you need the buy-ins in order to play this game and that makes it sound like an excuse when you say that to people they go oh well i get you just need a lot of money because you're just trying to get lucky no it's just because the game inherently is super fast paced and there's a lot of swings up and down and over time, like in order to succeed, you're going to need to play enough volume just to sort of get enough hands in for your for your for your skill edge to show through. But also, like regarding the buy-ins, um, I can't speak for the uh, for play money. But sure. if you guys are thinking about playing grand tours straight up for cash, 
Uh, I highly recommend uh, you trying out the different levels to see the different characteristics between them. Because like we said, the $1 stakes are going to be really frustrating because you're going to have to play a lot of volume. But they're potentially the one with the highest ROI. But in order to realize that ROI, you're going to have to play probably a lot more volume than you would at the twos and so on and so forth. So forth. And I feel like the fives and the twelves are actually going to be the sweet spot if your bankroll can handle it, because the five dollar stakes mean that you are investing a relatively small amount. Your payout is still pretty big, and you're, but you're not that far away from a finish and you don't need to play that many games on average to actually get a win outright. And then the twelves and above become a little bit more dicey because, you know, you're risking a lot more. You're paying a lot more rake. So there's more to overcome as you climb through the stakes there as well. Joe, I'm sure you've got a game for Nick to play. Just a couple of things before we get to that. Uh, first thing, weird coincidence that while we're talking about Grand Tour, this cycling-themed game, there is currently a prize draw on the Star Store awarding three custom-built bikes worth £15,000 each. I didn't think it was yeah. possible to have a bike that was worth £15,000. The fact that the custom paint job includes 24 gold leaf might have something to do with it, and I imagine it's also <laughs> a pretty shit-hot bike. Uh, just to be clear, this competition, this prize draw, only open to players in the UK, France, and Spain. It closes in one week's time on October the 8th. Pokestars.store slash info slash win it is where to go if you want to get into that draw to win a £15,000 bike. And the other thing I want to quickly say before we move on is that it is the 30th of September. Tomorrow, it's time to change the calendar behind you, Nick. Oh, I, 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 said, <laughs> I, 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 I said to my girlfriend, I was like, I desperately wish this was on the first so I could have the calendar wrong again. It's my thing now. I've got things. <laughs> I wish my things were a little bit cooler, but my things are, there's noisy stuff going on outside my house and my calendar is never right. I can live with that. You got to lean into these things. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Time for one of my patented stupid games. This one's called Insan in the Grand. All answers have the word grand or grand in it, right? Like grand tour, that kind of thing. Yeah. You ready? It's low concept. Yep. All right, here we go. Question number one. This glorified food court in downtown Los Angeles features such eateries as Sticky Rice, Horse Thief Barbecue, and Egg Slut. Is it? You get choices, don't okay. worry. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> Is it Grand Central Market, Grand Galleria, the Grand Old Eatery, or Food on Grand? Food on Grand. Food on Grand is incorrect. It's Grand okay. Central Market. Okay, Don't nice. worry. They get easier, <laughs> much like the Grand Tour stops. Here we go. <laughs> Question number two. Which of the following is produced by the Ferraro, Ferrero SPA company? Is it Grandfather Clocks, Baby Grand Pianos, 100 Grand Bars, or Grandma Porn? <laughs> B. B baby grand pianos is incorrect. We we're okay. looking for 100 grand bars of Ferrara Rocher company. Okay. Is the same company. Question number three. This was a 2008 drama directed and produced by Clint Eastwood. Is it Gran Turismo, Gran Torino, Gran Torelli, or Grand Prix? Gran Torino. Grand Torino, Nick Walsh is on the board. You're on the board. One and two, your nice. current score. Question number four. Which of the following was a player for the Al-Ali Jordanian Premier Basketball League team? Was it 
Solomon Grandy, Ransford Grandpong, Grandy Glaze, or Agrandwar Algrandwaranan? Hey. Solomon Grandy is actually a playoff of a DC comic book character named Solomon Grundy. The answer we were looking for was Grandy Glaze. Okay. For Al Ali of the Jordanian Premier Basketball League. Question number five. Which college did Grandy Glaze go to, ironically? <laughs> was it Grand Valley State University, Grand Rapids Community College, Grand Canyon University, or Grand Miss? Uh, a? Very close. It was not Grand Valley <laughs> State University. It was Grand Canyon University. I awesome. thought you made that up. I didn't realize there was a Grand Canyon yeah, University. Yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought that was the trick question for sure. It was on his Wikipedia page. Who knows? Sorry. I, I, I only go as far as Wikipedia. Uh, question number six. What is the name of the larger nacho dish at Taco Bell? You didn't have to go near Wikipedia for this one, did you? <laughs> I sure didn't. Just had to go to my garbage. Was it Nachos Belgrande, El Grande El Nachos, the GNPV, the Grande Nachos Por Favor, or the El Grande Ulcera? <laughs> Nachos Belgrande. Nachos Belgrande is correct. Yes. <clears throat> Glad James got the big ulcer joke. Okay. Final question. <laughs> Which of the following DJs produced the song Complementement Fou? Was it DJ Grandmaster Flash, DJ Grandmaster J, DJ Grand Wizard Theodore, or DJ Grand Marnier? DJ Grandmaster Flash. DJ Grand Marnier is correct. Well done, <laughs> Nick Walsh. You really do know your, you are on brand for your grands. Thank you for your thank you for your comments. Although we probably should have done that quiz in the style of Grand Tour, and after you failed the first question, you have to go yeah. back to the beginning. And <laughs> that would be good. Every time we do this, I embarrass myself. So thank you for that, Joe. I really appreciate these quizzes. <laughs> mate. You're not alone, Nick. No one, no one comes away unscathed. We're all embarrassed. Uh, Nick, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I appreciate you getting into it with Grand Tour, and uh, hopefully more people give it a go and apply some of the basic strategies and theories and concepts that you talked about today. Yeah, absolutely. I hope to see more of you guys on the stream. Check us out on social media, all that good stuff. But uh, go and try a Grand Tour if you haven't tried it yet. And I'll see you guys later on. Thanks, Nick. Superfan versus States. We return to the United Kingdom for this week's Superfan contest. Welcome, Christopher Preston. Hello, Christopher. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, Scotland's more like the Epcot center of the United Kingdom. The real north. <laughs> That's right. The, the fun international side. <laughs> yeah. North of the wall. Uh, what is your deal, bro? Who is your daddy and what does he do? In other words, tell us about yourself. <laughs> My daddy is also Christopher Preston. Um, <laughs> I am a customer service manager for a retail bank. Um, I'm also a daddy myself. Um, and that's me. Can you give me some of my uh, overdraft fees back? <laughs> we're, we're banks. We don't, um, we recoup money. We don't give it out. <laughs> that's basically how the banking sector operates, Joe, in case you hadn't grasped that by I now. 
Obviously, we'll get to your specialist subject in a moment because it's a good one. Um, tell us about yeah. yourself as a poker player. I imagine being in a full-time job. I imagine having full-time fatherhood as your secondary op- occupation. Mm-hmm. That being able to play poker probably isn't really on the cards, if you'll forgive the awful pun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be difficult. So I think I really got into it at the start of lockdown. My cousin started a home game and really started to enjoy it then so i started that's when i really started watching the epts from past and the, the pcas which have been my favorite um and then started watching the the w cube that these were streaming and stadium series and guys i think they've been terrific they've been really enjoyable oh, to watch i'm glad you've enjoyed it so you're a relatively new discoverer post lockdown finding all the old shows on youtube and, and getting into the game that way <laughs> yeah well in rehearsal or training to start the home game, I thought, do you know what? I'll, I'll watch a PCA. That'll that'll get me. That'll get me going. That'll that'll get me through a home game. No, nope, crashed out first. Um, so watching a final table of a PCA <laughs> isn't the best training method. But that's what got me hooked on watching these events on YouTube, and then started to actually get more into it. And I think I've got. If if I could get my skill to match my passion, I'll have no problem. Okay. Well, if you if you were ever oh, one one last question here, if you were ever going to go for a satellite, or maybe somebody was going to gift you either an EPT seed or a PCA or a stadium series at WCoop, which one do you think you'd want to play? The PCA, especially if we can get back out and about, um, because I'd get you with the Caribbean. <laughs> yes. Well. Live events not really on the horizon right now, which is why we're awarding $109 Sunday Million tickets, not satellite tickets, but direct buy-in to the weekly million-dollar guaranteed event on Stars. Nice. That's what's on the agenda for today, Christopher. There is the small matter of a 10-question-plus bonus question quiz to get through on the subject of one of the greatest TV shows of all time. It's certainly in my top five, The Sopranos. Number one, I'm really glad you picked it. Number two... I can't believe this hadn't gone already. There are so many specialist subjects coming forward at the moment, like Blade Runner last week, where how has this not been yeah. done already? Yeah, I find it strange it's not been done either. Um, for me, it is the greatest TV show ever. Character development, I don't think there's a show that does it better, especially being the first that brought out a main character that was such a grey area. Um, not fully good, not fully bad, but everybody could get behind and root for Um so many different things throughout the show. It's just, it's great. It's fantastic. Chris, I love you. And I'm not going to browbeat you with my opinion the way Hardigan would, but I do agree that this is an incredibly important TV show and one of the best of all time. I think its biggest legacy is actually for what it paved the way for after it. Um, in that it was a, a completely unique show and that it was, um, how dark it was and also how funny it was at the same time and just sort of, um, and deep it was. However, um, I didn't think any, there was anything that was a gray area about the show whatsoever. Every character was terrible. All of them were awful. They all deserve to die or go to jail. It was the least, the, the show I liked the most having liked the people within it the least. And I was happy when it was over. I was like one of the only shows that I thought was amazing that I was like, I would, I was happy to not have to watch it anymore. I, I, I don't think if, if the show was to be remade again, that they could, that it could be filmed with exactly the same scenes and dialogue that it did from the past. But 
uh, it does a really good job of showing that people are assholes. Yeah, um, yeah. People, people really do go on in behavior and words that be used and derogatory to certain groups of people. Um, unfortunately, there's people like that in life, and I thought it portrayed that very well. Yeah, I mean, where I slightly disagree with your position, Joe, is I do think there are times when you do like the characters, and that's why I think the show is so good, because they are horrible people. You're right to reach that conclusion. And that's certainly the central message of the show. But the fact that along the way, over the course of how many seasons it was, six or seven seasons, there are times when you are kind of like sharing a moment with them or rooting for them in a particular situation. And then you almost take a step back and say, whoa, you're kind of like taking the side of this utterly despicable human being or any moment when you think there's a chance for redemption and then it's stolen away at the last moment because they'll do something even more disgusting than in the previous episode or season. Uh, masterful writing, masterful stuff. Interestingly, Patrick, the ex-intern, as we'll now call him, <laughs> had never seen oh. The Sopranos. He felt that he probably should do a little bit of research beyond just pulling questions off the internet. So managed to watch through the entire first season in the last few days. Enjoyed the experience. So I've said... On the one hand, I'd be like, sorry to make you go to all that effort. On the other hand, this is amazing that you've been introduced to this show. Continue the journey and watch every other season because I do think The Sopranos stands the test of time. And it's one of those shows which I'd be really keen to revisit from the very beginning all the way through to the end. If only there were more time and if only there weren't so many shows that I haven't seen for a first time yeah. on my Netflix list slash Amazon Prime list slash on my Skybox. So hopefully I'll get around to it one day because I've got the Blu-rays. They've just never been in my Blu-ray player. I have distinct memories of being in the middle of watching The Sopranos when we were in EPT Berlin and I there was like there was no like Apple iTunes, whatever yeah. that I could get over there. And I remember going with you to the mall. That's right. You in Berlin. The DVD and buying, box set. Yeah. And buying like season six because I was so desperate to keep going and watching it and not waiting till I got yeah. back home. Like I remember buying the German versions of it. And you can tell that was the better part of a decade ago because you still had a MacBook, which actually had a DVD drive in it, which would allow you to watch discs. Correct. Um, so there are 10 questions with multiple choice options, which I think are all relatively simple. There are then eight bonus questions. First come, first served. You only get the bonus if you get your main question right. Otherwise, we're going to pass on the bonus round. Um, two points if you don't need the options. One point if you take the multiple choice options. Christopher, as our super fan, you get to go first. Please give me a number between one and ten. It's always coming seven. Always coming seven. Nice, easy question to get us started. What occupation does Tony use as a front? What does he say he does for a living? He's in waste management. He is in waste management for two points. Joe, oh, the bonus. Of course, the bonus. Give me a number one through eight for your bonus. I'll go with number seven again. Okay, so basically, I'm going to give you the name of an actor, and I want you to tell me the character they played in The Sopranos. So your bonus question is, Steve Buscemi. Who did Steve Buscemi play in The Sopranos? He played Tony G. I'm going to give you one point for Tony. Tony, Tony Blundell. Tony Blundell. 
I'm going to give you two points because I'm feeling generous. Tony Blundetto <laughs> is the answer. You have a 4-0 lead, and Joe, you're up. Uh, question number 10, please. Question 10. What is the name of the actress who plays Tony's wife, Carmella? Tony's wife, Carmella, is played by uh, Nurse Jackie. It is... I know it. I don't want to waste so much time. Go ahead, just give me the choices. Wait, hold on, hold on. Give me, give me, give me five more seconds. Oh, I'm just too early in the morning. Go, go. Is it choices. Lorraine Bracco, Jamie Lynn yes. Siegler? No, it's not Lorraine Bracco. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Edie Falco, or Ida Tatiro? Yeah. Edie Falco. Edie Falco for one point, but you do get the bonus crucially. Uh, Let's just keep, to keep, uh, take these in order. It'll be easier. Uh, just pair them, yeah. Joe Pantoliano. Who does Joe Pantoliano play? But she's a whore. I don't, I don't remember the guy's name. I'll give you one point for one name, two points for both names. Bobby Brasigliano. Ralph Seferetto was the character Ralph. played. By Joe Pantoliano. So, uh, seven and ten have gone, Christopher. Any other number you can have? Let's go nine. Joe's lucky number nine. In which year did the final episode air? It was 2007. It was for two points. And that means Whoa. you get another bonus question. David Proval. Who did David Proval play in The Sopranos? Oh, he played, um... <sighs> No, sorry, not got it. Richie April, the main yeah. antagonist yeah. from season two. Joe, yeah. seven, nine, and ten have gone. All right, well, let's, let's close out the top half of the board and go for number eight who created the series david chase correct for two points your bonus question who did frankie valley play i don't think i'll get any of these <laughs> i don't know he played rusty milio yeah, uh, so, the first half of the board, one through six, still available, Christopher. Let's go one. What year did the first episode of The Sopranos air? That was 1999. It was for two points. Bonus question, Jerry Adler. Who did Jerry Adler play in The Sopranos? No, don't know. Hesh. Two, three, four, five, or six, Joe. Number two, please. Why does Tony collapse in the first episode? He has an anxiety attack. Correct, for two points. And your bonus, Annabella Sciorra. Who did Annabella Sciorra play? One name for two for one point, two names for two points. Uh, she plays Tony's Gumar. Okay, that's not a name, though, is it? <laughs> I don't know her name. Female characters have names too, Joe. 
Her name was Gloria you Trello. Think? She was a Mercedes-Benz dealer. Not strictly speaking, Tony Skumar. That was Irina. Um, three, four, five, or six on the board, Christopher. Let's go three. By the way, you have an eight-five lead at the moment. How many episodes were made in total? Oh. Oh. Multiple choice options are available. A reminder that you do have a three-point yeah. lead. Yeah, let's go multiple choice. Okay, 50, 62, 74, or 86? 86. 86 for a point. And you get a bonus question. Peter Bogdanovich, the film director. Who did Peter Bogdanovich play? And I'll be honest with you here, I would only have been able to get the first name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. He was Dr. Melfi's psychologist, Dr. Elliot Kupferberg. I only knew him as Elliot. I didn't even know the character had a last name. Thanks, IMDb, for that one. Uh, Elliot. Four, five, or six, Joe? I just don't know, Elliot. Um, four. How old was James Gandolfini when the first episode was filmed? I'm just trying to decide whether I want to... Yeah, I guess I'll take the choices. Was he 34, 38, 42, or 46? 42. He was 38. I know, right? Uh, Christopher, five or six? Let's go five. What are the names of Tony's two sisters? So you've got Janice Soprano. Uh, so can I take the multiple choice? You can. Is it Janice and Olivia, Janice and Rebecca, Janice and Lisa, or Janice and Barbara? Janice and Barbara. Correct for one point. The score is 10-5. You do get the bonus question. It's the last of the bonus questions. Frank Vincent. Which character did Frank Vincent play? Best known for telling Joe Pesci to go get his fucking shine box. <laughs> he played Phil Leotardo. He did. Mm. For two points. Okay, Joe. Last question. Question number six. What medicine is Tony prescribed in the first season? I'll take the choices so I can at least maybe get the bonus. There is no bonus. <laughs> You've used up all the bonuses. The bonuses are done. They're spent. Over. Actually, actually, do you know what? As we're not going to need the tiebreaker, you can have the tiebreaker as a bonus. So would you still like the choices? Yeah. Is he prescribed Lexapro, Prozac, Valium, or Xanax? I think it's Prozac. He is prescribed Prozac for a point. Uh, out of the 86 episodes, how many does Christopher Montesanti appear in? 80. 
Well, here's the weird thing. I think this was based on car on actor credit rather than actual appearance of the character because along with Tony and Carmella, he officially appears in all 86, but I don't uh -huh. think Michael Imperioli was in all 86 episodes, but he gets credited for all of them. It wouldn't have made any difference anyway, Joe. Uh, 12 points to Christopher, 6 points to Joe Stapleton. Congratulations, Christopher. You are a champion. That means you are wow. going to get a $109 Sunday Million ticket. It also means we'll let you choose a T-shirt from the Poker in the Ears range. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. Not at pleasure. all. Thank you for applying and thank you for coming up with a really good specialist subject. Yeah, fun You're one. Welcome. Thanks, buddy. No problem. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Now, I did mention at the top of the show that I wanted to talk a little bit about my own poker playing experience. You heard me say to Nick Walsh uh, that I did play Grand Tour, but I didn't get very far. Um, I lost my first 12 times when I was all in and at risk in Grand Tour. Never once uh, was I behind. Now, this is going to sound like normal complaining, and it is a little bit that. Uh, when I finally made it to round two and I went broke on the very first hand, ace-queen versus ace-jack, I decided it was best that I didn't continue on because I could feel uh, like, a, like a strong rage in me. Like I really wanted to smash my desk. Uh, and at the moment, like I, I, I actively had to stop myself from breaking something. Wow. And I've never gone through this before in poker. I've never had you know, the, these feelings of like actually wanting to create violence in a way uh, from running bad at poker. And at the moment... It's going bad for me in the play money home games. So much so that like when I bust out, I can't sleep afterward. Like I lay in bed raging and staring at the ceiling. And I, and I just want to say that, you know, there are lots of people out there struggling with things mentally right now. And, and if you are, you're not alone. And while poker is a great stress reliever sometimes and a great way to stay connected for some, it's not always going to be for everyone all the time. And if you feel like you're consistently in a worse mood after you play, don't be afraid to step away and do something else sometimes. It's okay. I'm going to do that uh, for the next little while. Even it's to the point where play money poker is like putting me in a bad mood where I don't want to talk to anybody afterward. It's time to like do some other things and find some other activities, video game. Personally, for me, I'm going to take up reading. Um, I've been always kind of... Uh, disappointed in uh, myself for how little reading I've been doing, especially during quarantine. I think it's going to calm me down a lot. And it does happen to tie into the show uh, because coming up on next week's show, we're going to cover the only way to play a new novel by a fellow named Peter Alson. Uh, last week at this point of the show, I covered the great reviews it's getting. He is going to be on the show and I'm going to read this book cool. from start to finish. Uh, and just sort of step away from all devices. Okay. Well, uh, not I, just... I, it's a positive thing. I do think probably staying away from social media would probably also benefit you mentally yes. as well. I think immersing, immersing yourself in a book is a great strategy. I'm glad that you're going to read it because unfortunately I just don't think I'm going to have time. And I think it would really suck if we had Peter on the show and neither of us had read his book. So I think that's awesome. Uh, should point out, Joe, that next week we do have a non- movie tv themed superfan quiz yes cameron knight is going to challenge you to the subject of music of the 2010s and ultimately i'm guessing the content of the quiz will be determined by patrick's interpretation of that handle 
Oh, that is, I'm so glad it's Patrick and not you. Because you guys, I don't know if you remember this or not, James is incredibly well-versed. Well, a little before that, I would say. But his music knowledge is horrific. Uh, so I'm really glad that no, it's Patrick. No, 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 no. I'm very good on music of the 2010s. It would mostly be Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, but it would be music of the 2010s. Actually, that's kind of fine. But I'm looking forward to Patrick. I've enjoyed his quizzes the last couple of weeks. Good to have you back, Patrick. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what's coming up next week. Again, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. But for now, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. One quick P.S. Joe, I invited you to a Play Money home game next week. Are you oh, in? God. If I finish the book. Okay. <laughs>